Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Good morning. Good morning. Merry Christmas, everyone. By the way, those candy canes, it looked like that went into a million pieces. It did. It went into a fine dust, and it was right after we just finished vacuuming the hallway, too. Not good planning at all. Not good planning. But you know what? Those, those uh, secret Santa or Yankee swap, whatever you want to call it, uh, they can be a lot of fun, but they can also bring out a lot of emotional responses, as you just saw above, right? And, and the thing with Jess, the beep, 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 beep that's legit. That, she was not pretending in there. Like, you, I actually see that face sometimes. <laughs> but you know that we can have tremendous responses, emotional responses to things like this. I know last year in our life group Christmas party, it, it was so much fun, but very early, as in most of these, it was determined what the gift was, right? At least there were some of us that felt that way. And I was sitting there and my two sons were on one side and Guy and Nikki Freeman's sons were on the other side, Jensen and Caleb. And we had identified that there was this stack of chocolates, not cheap chocolates, like good chocolates. This was going to be the prize, right? And so how we did at that time, we used the deck of cards. So it was an order. So essentially, if you got picked last, like you had it made, you're just, you're picking from whatever you want to steal. And I can't remember, we went through back and forth and, you know, we're, we're, we're making fun of each other and there's lots of talking going back and forth and lots of taunting and, and all kinds of stuff. So I had it. I had it and all the other kids had gone and I had the chocolate. So, so I strategically put it like behind like the leg of my chair and I'm trying to cover it up so no one wants to ask for that thing. But there was one person left and that one person was Guy. So Guy gets his turn, and I can't remember if he was very last, but he was the last of our group that were kind of like mouthing off about this one gift, saying, we're going to get it. We're going to get it for our family. And Guy turns, he's like, I'm going to steal, and I'm getting ready to bend down and pick this thing up. He's like, I'm going to steal the scissors. The scissors, that's right. Guy stole the scissors. And, And you're just like, whatever, maybe he needed a good pair of scissors. Jensen did not think so. I remember the response of Jensen when that happened. He's like, are you kidding? He like jumped up. He's like, dad, what are you doing? Then later he was rolled in a ball on the floor. He was really upset about the whole thing. (laughs) We can get a response. The value that Jensen had of those chocolates was very similar to my own, probably a little too high than reality, but it was very similar to my own. But the response was fantastic to watch. Maybe a better example of this might be almost 18 and a half years ago, almost 18 and a half years ago. I learned to play four chords on a guitar. I now play five, 20 years later. But I learned to play four chords of a guitar, and I wrote a song. You might be thinking, I didn't know that he sang and played guitar. He doesn't. He doesn't. You won't see it up here unless we're doing some parody show or something. But I also, I bought a ring, and I planned a walk, and I had grand plans for that day. But you know what? None of this was normal. None of this is what I would normally do. I don't normally, you can ask Caroline, I don't normally plan romantic walks. I don't normally play music or sing or do those things. I don't normally do any of that. But there was something that had changed. This was actually a response. This was a response to the value that I held in my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, Carolyn, 
and it caused me to do something that I would never normally do. It was because that value was so high, it caused me to have a response that was so far out. And, and thankfully for all of you, I don't play guitar and sing up here. But that day, I did those things. And she said yes, by the way, so that was good. And, uh, but I think this can be really similar at Christmas. I think this can be really similar at Christmas. Because our perceived value of Jesus is going to determine our response at Christmas. How we value Jesus as just another person or something more is going to determine our response this Christmas. So what I wanted to do this morning is we're going to be going through the Christmas story. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke 2. Luke is the uh, third book in the New Testament, and it goes through the account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And we're going to be reading through this. So if you have a device, a Bible, if not, the words are going to be right above me. So we're going to be starting um, right now in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Because there was no place for them in an inn. And I think I have a picture that kind of describes maybe what many of us see. And yeah, it's right there. Like that's kind of what we picture, right? We picture this beautiful story, this quaint scene, these really special moments. And I'm sure all of that is very true. All of that is very true. But is it possible? And this is a question I'm not just asking you. I've been asking myself over the last couple of weeks. Is it possible that we can get stuck in this nativity scene? Is that possible? That we don't look beyond it and maybe it mixes up how we value Christmas and in turn how we're going to respond to our Father in Heaven at Christmas. And when I say that, I'm, I'm certainly not having a finger pointing you, you, you. I'm, I'm pointing at myself because I've seen in my own life how I've kind of fallen into this trap where we get caught up in all the, the magic of Christmas and the nostalgia I remember it happening the first time I recognized it really happening. I'm sure there was times when I was a kid, but as an adult, it was in my late 20s. And what it was, was my kids were starting to get to that age, like the oldest probably being six or seven, and then the younger ones, that it was just, it was really fun. It was so easy to get distracted. But unfortunately, on the inside of me, I noticed that I was slowly, I didn't even notice it was happening, but I was drifting. And I was drifting, and all of a sudden, I remember there was a Christmas morning, I woke up, and it kind of had this empty feeling inside. I don't know if you've, you've ever had something like this, but it was like I was just going through the motions. The only way I can think to describe it would be, it was like a numb feeling. Like, you know when you forgot your gloves and didn't know it was snowing and going to get cold, and you go out to your car after work, and you have to scrape the windshield and do all this stuff, and your hands just turn numb. That's kind of the picture. That's the feeling that I remember having. But it wasn't in my hands. It was on the inside. And I don't think that I'm alone in this. And, and I don't, this certainly isn't to say, oh, how dare you? I'm just saying, hey, how dare us sometimes? Sometimes we can slip into this and it can be really t easy to do. So this morning as we talk, I want to talk a little bit about how we get rid of this numb feeling. And, and to do this, we're going to continue reading right now. Um, we're going to be continuing in verse 8. 
And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. And the, the note in my Bible says this was hundreds or thousands of angels are all of a sudden there, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. What a scene this must have been. These shepherds, as Andrew alluded to last, last week, th- these were regular people. These were regular people, and all of a sudden, these angels picked them to share this exciting news with. And as they do it, they are describing to these shepherds that this baby that's about to come had value. It wasn't just another person. They actually used the word Savior, and I think there's so much weight in that word. But when I read this account of what the angels said to the shepherds, again, I'm going back to myself. I'm thinking, what if we're looking at the wrong things at Christmas? Really good things, but not the main thing. What if Christmas is all about just a couple days off? I was talking to someone the other week. They said they have two weeks off. I was like, that sounds fantastic. Two weeks off. Some people, that's what it's all about. And you will gain something from that. You'll gain some rest. I think we all love time off. But you're just going to be gaining something small. What if the thing that we love about Christmas so much is the gifts? Exchanging gifts, both giving and receiving. And I know none of us here are selfish. It's not just about receiving. It's about the giving too. And, and we love that. But you're going to gain something. But we're going to miss out on something else. And here's the one that I got suckered into a little bit. And not suckered into because it is actually one of the most beautiful and important parts of celebrating Christmas. One of the best parts of celebrating Christmas is time with friends and family, isn't it? It's really important. It's really important. In fact, I have a few pictures. The first one is some friends. This is a picture. This is the Cooks and Blaze when we were younger, skinnier, happier, all those others. And uh, this is 4BP, before Pathway. I'm approximating that. I think it's about that. And really, the reason I wanted to is the looks on Noah and Dawson's faces because you know what? Jess and I talk at work, and you guys have been annoying us a bit lately, so I wanted to throw that picture up, but to show that there's good friends around that we can spend at Christmas. But I have another picture uh, that's going to go up, and this is my family. And uh, this is probably my favorite day of the year is when we all get together, and, and we have some, like Ken was saying, you don't plan all the things, but stuff just happens, and you're spending time together, and it's absolutely incredible. Like, it is so important, and I don't want to downplay that but it's not the most important. The thing is, we can have all of those other things and still be missing the main thing at Christmas, that it was not just a man, but it was a savior. It wasn't just a regular person, but it was the son of God. And he is the one eternal thing. He is the one that will last because all these other things are temporary. They really are. As much as it hurts and it stings, all of them are temporary. You know what? In a couple days or a couple weeks, we're all going back to work. And the gifts, there's going to be either that 
Marie Kondo lady or someone else going to find a different way to spark joy. You're going to throw it in the garbage, bring it to Value Village, and I'm going to pick it up for like $4.25. And uh, it's just temporary, right? Even the gifts we love, they're just temporary. And, And tragically, as Nathan was talking about, sometimes this might be the first Christmas after a broken friendship, a broken relationship, or we've lost someone we love. And I think many of us have had to experience that. And it's not It's not fun because those things aren't going to last forever. As incredible as they are, they're not going to last forever. But Jesus will. And that's what I want to talk about, the gift exchange this morning. And it's going to look a little bit different than the previous weeks. A couple weeks ago, Nathan um, spoke about uh, exchanging expectation for promise. And last week, uh, Andrew talked about exchanging stress for peace. And that's all so important, making those exchanges with God. But I wanted to talk about this morning, we're going to make an exchange with God, but I want to talk about an exchange that happens on the inside of us. Because there's two different ways that we're going to respond to Christmas. I think the first one, and probably the default, is this. It's apathy. Apathy. So many of us will respond to Christmas with apathy. It's that lack of feeling or emotion or interest. It's not finding value. It's not finding purpose. The best way to really describe it is that numb feeling, right? That numb feeling when we have apathy towards Christmas. But there is another side to this. We can exchange in ourselves apathy for worship and for adoration of Jesus. Not just the person, but Jesus, our Savior. You see, worship and adoration, it means to worship, it means to honor, to express high value. And and it's to ascribe a really high value. And and we might think it has to have have music and instruments or maybe people waving their hands or dancing. and, And that is a part of it. That is an incredible way that we can worship God. But there are other ways that we can worship God as well. And you know what? All of you might be saying, well, worship, that's kind of a weird word, especially if you're not from a church background, but here's the deal. We all worship. All of us. We're hardwired to worship. For some of us, we worship our jobs. We might worship our kids. We might worship celebrities or sports stars, sports teams, all kinds of things like that. We worship. Whether we like it or not, we're worshiping something, but we have to decide this isn't just a church thing. They're both here. The apathy might make us feel numb. In the worship, we know we do it in different areas, but both of these responses at Christmas time, both of these responses at Christmas time are going to be determined by the value that we place in Jesus. And it's, like I said, it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy. There's so much going on. And we read the, the value that the angels describe to these shepherds. We read about that. And, and maybe there's people in this place that you're like, I did know that. I, I valued that. I treasured that at one point. But maybe, maybe not so much anymore. Or there might be others here that are saying, I've heard the story, but I don't understand what the big deal is. But we're going to be talking about that more as we go this morning. We're all going to respond one way or the other. But we have an opportunity to make an exchange. So I wanted to look now at just the last six verses that I'm going to read today. And we're going to look at the shepherd's response. Can shepherds, people relatively like you and I, what their response was once they found out the true value of Jesus. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem 
and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They went immediately. They went immediately. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So there's lots of characters in this story, and we're not reading every account of every story this morning. But I wanted to look at three ways that the shepherds responded to this news. This news that Jesus wasn't just another person, that this indeed was a Savior. The first response they had was they immediately left. They immediately left and they gave time and attention to Jesus. This was something that was really important to them. They left their jobs, they left their responsibilities because they recognized that there was something worth more. That's how they responded. That was the very first thing they did. They went to give time and attention to Jesus. The second thing they did is they let it out. And I love how they let it out. They told others about what they saw, what they heard, and what they experienced. You notice they didn't go to others and start preaching to them and telling them what they were doing wrong or what they need to do next. They just went and just told people what they had experienced and whom they saw. And this thing hadn't, didn't have to be an orchestrated plan thing. It was out of an excitement that was on the inside of them. They'd seen all these angels. They had seen Jesus. They were excited, and it just poured out. But I loved the other part of it. It wasn't just to the rest of Bethlehem that they talked. In fact, it says in verse 19 that Mary actually treasured these things, treasured that visit. They encouraged Mary. Even if they didn't intend to, they encouraged Mary by being there. And the third thing that the shepherds did to respond to this, and I love this, is that in their every day, they continued to adore him. And I think this is really key for them and really key for us. After the angels, okay? So like we're picturing all these angels. Then they go to see Jesus, this one that is called Savior. After all of that had happened, they went back to the same spot. They went back to the same job. Went back to the same people. But everything had changed, hadn't it? Everything had changed because now as they go back, they're doing so praising God and glorifying God as they do this. And as I read about the responses of the shepherds, I I think about myself and and ourselves. This Christmas, I think we need to ask ourselves, what is our response to Christmas? Because therein we are going to get a really good glimpse of the value that we place in Jesus. Do we see him as our savior? Do we see him as something else? Like I said, we're going to respond one way or another. This, this is the default. If we choose to do nothing, this is the default. This is going to be the gift this Christmas that we're going to give to God. It's going to be our apathy. It's going to be our who cares. It's like, oh, another Christmas. But there's another way. There's adoration. And there might be some people. I know some of us might be dealing with this numb feeling on the inside, but I want to recognize maybe there's people this Christmas, you legitimately have been worshiping Jesus. You have been adoring him throughout this season. And I would say you have a really important job. You have a really important job because there's a lot of shepherds that are around you that might be feeling discouraged this Christmas. That maybe once they did know, but they feel like they don't know anymore. And and, and they don't know exactly why that is. 
I think you have a really important job to encourage, not to point out faults, but to encourage those people around you, to put your arm around someone that is beside you that is clearly not seeing Christmas as you see it and helping them along. And like I said, we get so busy at Christmas, don't we? Nathan mentioned that too. We get so busy, so many distractions. It's all over the place. It's really easy to get these things mixed up, isn't it? It's really easy to get it mixed up, but the purpose of this is not to point fingers. It's to say that I recognize because I have been in this place multiple times, I recognize that sometimes everything in you wants to worship Jesus, but you're just not feeling it. It's the apathy just seems to be the default, but I think there's something better. There's something more. See, apathy is going to say, do nothing, say nothing, change nothing. But there's a different approach that we can take this Christmas if we want to make this exchange for adoration and for worship. The first one I want to talk about is the same as the shepherds. Give God our time and our attention. This is an active thing. This is on purpose. And honestly, the next two probably don't even make sense if we don't get this one right. Because this is where our worship comes from. As we get to know Jesus, this is where our worship comes from. This is such an opportunity for us to even build into our Christmas traditions. Maybe you have young kids. Maybe you don't have kids yet. Maybe your kids are older. But we can always change our Christmas traditions, but to put God in the center of them. It's awesome to get together with family and open gifts and all these things. But to put Jesus at the very center of them is what a change that might be for some of us. And you know what? The thing I thought of is I know myself. My kids might get me some presents this year, and I'll enjoy opening them, and I'm sure there'll be chocolates involved, and that will be great because I love chocolate. Um, But do you know what? The gift that I would love from my children would be their time and attention. Their time and attention, right? Their time. Like actually time slotted out to spend with their parents, with their father. And, And not just time, but attention, where we're actually communicating And we're there. And I don't think our Father in Heaven is much different. I think He desires our time and our attention. And if you're in this place and you're like, ah, give God my time and attention, that that just doesn't even make sense. I would encourage you this Christmas. When you're somewhere and there's songs singing, we can just go through the motions and sing songs. We can really mean those words and say, God, if you're up there, I want to know you more. In those quiet moments, We have to chisel out those quiet moments, but in those quiet moments, we can pray. And even that first time, you might be nervous. You might be thinking, is anyone even hearing me? But I can assure you, there is a Father in heaven that hears each and every word, and he loves it. The second thing that I think we can do in order to make this exchange from apathy to worship and adoration is to let it out. Talk to others through words and through deeds. You know, it's kind of funny. It's kind of a long-running joke. If you go to a Christmas party or a family gathering, what are the two things you never talk about? What are they? Religion and politics, right? And there's some good advice in there. There can be some good advice in there that religion and politics can maybe get you in trouble. What if there actually is a good time and a good place and a good approach to this? What if we changed our approach from telling people, things that we consider facts, giving them precepts and principles and theories and pointing fingers at them and saying, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. What if our approach was different? 
What if the approach that we decided to take this Christmas was to kind of be a billboard for what God has been doing throughout the year? What if through our relationship with Jesus that has been growing throughout the year, they're going to notice, the first thing they're going to notice is the love of Jesus that's inside of us. What if the thing they notice is that peace Andrew talked about? What if it's the patience? What if it's the compassion or the kindness? What if that's what we led with? Do you think those conversations might go a little bit different? I, I absolutely think they would. I think those conversations go different, but also not, a, not to share your faith with people out of obligation, but again, like the shepherds did it, it was like an explosion outside of them. They were so legitimately excited, but it was because that was their response because they valued Jesus as their savior. The second part to that, again, I talked about Mary, but there are people around us that we can encourage. I know there are people in this place and in this church that when I see them, they just encourage me just to talk to them. They just encourage me to want to know Jesus more. And it's so incredible, and I hope you have some of those people in this place, but we can also be that for other people as well. And the third thing, and I think this is really important, is that we make it a way of life. We bring it into our everyday. So often we might make this exchange at Christmas, right? We make this exchange where like worship and adoration, that's, that's where I'm going with. Going with worship and adoration, and we do it for the Christmas Eve service and Christmas Day, and then at Boxing Day, or January 14th, or maybe we make it almost to Easter. We, we return it. We return it because this one's easier, right? This one's easier. It's the default. That apathy can come back so quickly. I think the cool thing about what the shepherds did, they came back to the same spot with the same people, the same job, but everything had changed. Now they were doing their job with Jesus in mind. They were praising and glorifying God. Why? Because they couldn't help themselves. And you know what? As we worship, as we make this exchange and give this gift, this gift of worship, you're going to notice, remember I talked about the numb hands? But that numbness when it's inside of us, you're going to notice as you choose to do things to worship Jesus, as you recognize him as your savior, the apathy is just going to melt away. It's going to melt away and you're going to feel so different about Christmas this year. At the end of the day, it comes down to us deciding if we truly believe he is worthy of our adoration. That word, Savior. That word that the Savior, that the angels use, Savior, is so important. And perhaps at one time we, you've known that, but maybe you forgot or you've lost it somewhere along the way. Or perhaps you've never known Jesus as Savior. You've known Jesus as baby in manger, and that's kind of how you've seen Jesus. I want to encourage you that there's more to that, that there's so much more to that. You know what? Maybe there's some people you're like, Savior, I didn't even know I needed saving. I've heard about this word sin. I, I don't really know what it means. We all make mistakes, don't we? And that's very true, but I think there's something as we get to know Jesus, and there's people in this place that you can talk to if you want to just try and figure out how to make that first step. After service, we'll have some people in this prayer area. If you're hearing this, you're like, it doesn't really make sense, but I feel like this is the step. I encourage you after service to go talk to them over there and they'll be able to help you so much. See, these shepherds in the field, they, they knew the Old Testament law. I'm not saying they knew it inside out, but they knew that they could not keep all the rules in there. They knew that they needed something more, and at that point, they wouldn't have known what Jesus' whole life was gonna look like and that he was gonna die on a cross. They wouldn't have known all that. But they knew 
that these angels were there proclaiming him as Savior, and they knew that they needed saving because they knew that they couldn't free themselves of sin. Do you know one of my favorite moments this year? I was meeting in a, in a group, and we were, we were talking about faith, and we were talking about trusting Jesus and, and learning to do that, and learning about the purpose of rules and different things in the Bible, and why does the Bible say this and that, learning about the person of Jesus, and then we started talking about the grace of God. And someone said something that kind of rocked me, because at first I wanted to defend it or almost say something, because I was like, it didn't sound right. But what he said to me is this. He said, do you know what you're saying and what you're describing and what we've been studying the past few weeks, it seems too good to be true. It seems too good to be true. But in an instant, it was like there was something on the inside of me that was like, yes, According to everything else that is around us, this does seem too good to be true. But the reason we can be so excited, the reason we can respond in worship and adoration is it is absolutely true that God sent his son to us. What an incredible privilege. As I close, I just want to do, share one uh, final story. Um, it was seven or eight years ago, maybe it was a bit longer than that, um, we were at our house, it was Christmas morning, and I was surrounded by half a dozen, maybe more gifts, worth probably a few hundred dollars, and uh, Carolyn was sitting, now I try and talk to her before I get up here and say something in case I'm misremembering, but uh, apparently what I had given her at that point was a candle, candles are nice, and some socks, and that's it. And uh, the thing is, I knew that I'd employed our incredibly talented sister-in-law to do this painting. It was a great big painting of us and a few of our kids going for a walk, and it was really beautiful, and it cost a little bit of money, but it was awesome, and I knew it was coming. But for some reason, because sometimes I'm not very smart, uh, for some reason, I thought the suspense of not telling her that we were getting it later at my parents was going to be fun. <laughs> Don't ever do that. It was not fun for anybody. Um, I just remember she kind of got sad, and then you could see the disappointment on her face. And even though I knew something else was coming, I knew something else was coming. I experienced a feeling that Pastor Nathan talked about the very first week we talked about this series. We talked about being outgifted. You know, you buy someone something, and you know you got it at Value Village for four twenty-five, and then you open theirs, and it's something brand new that was like a hundred bucks, and you're like, "Oh shoot!" Like it's that feeling, right? It's that feeling that someone else has given you way more than you've given them. Friends, at Christmas this year, let us remember that we have been outrageously outgifted, outrageously outgifted, and this is a cause for excitement. And you know what, there might be some people that a stumbling block in their faith might be just this, that outrageously outgifted thing, because we want to earn it, don't we? There's something in us that wants to earn it. We want it to be equal. We want it to be even. But the fact of the matter is, it's not. It's not, and it can't be. That God loved us so much when we were still sinners. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross, to rise again and offer us eternal life. That when we put our trust in him and we get to know him, oh, we're going to want to give him adoration because that's going to be the response. When we start to recognize that value, if verses 10 and 11 read differently, if they read this, 
And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you news of happiness for some of the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a guy, a nice guy, a good teacher, a kind and fair man. Then Jesus would have just been an insignificant historical figure. But we know that's not the case. At least I hope that we know that's not the case. When Jesus came to this earth, he came as our savior. And because of that worth, our response ought to be worship and adoration. So this Christmas, I want to encourage all of you, enjoy your couple days off, your couple weeks off. We'll have lots of fun with that. You can have lots of good memories. Enjoy exchanging gifts. And really, and I sincerely mean this, enjoy your time with family. Be present in your time with family. Don't just, sometimes you want to just get through it in some situations. Don't do that. Be present with your family this Christmas. But more than anything, I hope and pray that we can adore Jesus because that is absolutely what he deserves. That we would give him our time and attention because that's when we're going to find out who he really is. And that's when we are going to want to worship him. But after that, we would give thanks. We would allow him to change us from the inside out. We would proclaim and share the message of hope, not just theories and precepts, but what he has done on the inside of us. And thus we would participate with him in his, miss, in his mission. Let us worship and adore him. And as we do that, we're going to notice that apathy is going to melt right away. And I think it's so important, just like the shepherds, the third point, that we take it with us all year long, that this, isn't, this is not a one-day event. This is not this year, every Sunday I'm going to go to church. This is a daily thing that we will glorify and praise God. This Christmas, let's exchange apathy for adoration and for worship. And let's come to God with that gift this Christmas because he absolutely and completely deserves it because Jesus was the true gift, the eternal gift, and he absolutely is our savior. As I mentioned, um, singing and, and music isn't the only way we can worship God, but it's a pretty awesome one. So I want to ask Brian to come right back up here as I pray. And we're just going to sing one more song together. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for sending Jesus. Father, if we've never known the value of Jesus as our Savior, I ask that that would be revealed to us, God, that you'd bring people around us that can share that message of hope. And God, if we've been going along the way and trying to do the right things, but we're just not feeling it this year, God, I pray that you would be with us this Christmas as we take steps, active steps to spend time with you, God. I pray that you would meet us there and maybe in a way we don't even expect, Father. We thank you for your faithfulness, God. We know you are waiting there for you and we thank you so much for sending your son for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.